Honest, real, raw, true conversation and prayer with God. down into the water and when you do the old person dies you come up out of the water as a new creation of Jesus Christ Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. Now is a great time to grab your weeklies and head to your seats if you haven't already because the service starts in 90 seconds. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to set you free. Oh, yeah. He wants to set you free.
presence. Pursue a relationship with him. Grow in your walk with him. Get closer to him. Spend more time with him because he's better. If you want your life to get better, then get around the one who is better. Get around Jesus. Get around the one who has power to change and transform your life. Get around the one who has the perfect grace for you and the perfect love for you and the perfect joy for your soul. Listen, he is better. Welcome to CE Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're so excited about today's service. We believe that this could be the best and most impacting hour of your week. Throughout the service, you may have some questions or some comments or prayer requests. If you do, go to churchexperience.tv backslash connect or pull out your camera app and hit up our QR code to connect with us or better yet, if you always wanna know what's going on here at CE, just hit that subscribe button right here. We'd love to hear from you, get back to you, and be in praying for you. We are ready to dive in. Would you stand with me as we sing some songs of worship to Jesus?
Father. God, we just thank you. We thank you for what you bring to us, for who you are to us. God, we thank you that you loved us so much. You loved us enough to come down to send your son so that we may be able to feel your presence, to be with you, to be near to you, to grow close to you and have a relationship with you, Lord. I just pray that we would feel you, that we would hear you in this message. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, with all the anticipation that leads up to Christmas Day, it's amazing that it's almost here. We cannot wait to celebrate Jesus' birth this Christmas, and we are so excited to celebrate with our church family. We're looking forward to Christmas weekend as we have services on Saturday, December 24 at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And we hope that you'll invite all your friends and all your family for a spectacular service on this Saturday, December 24, as we celebrate Jesus' birth together. We can't wait. Well, as I look back to last week, we were in our second week of our Christmas countdown teaching series, and, and what a great day. We saw 11 people make decisions for Christ here in Dunedin, and we had our annual Christmas offering. So much to celebrate. We stayed into mid-afternoon, and we finally left the property, and we pulled out just a few minutes behind Trey Robinson, one of our student directors and one of our leaders here, and, and we weren't that far behind him, and my wife looked ahead on the main street. We were driving on, and she says, hey, I think that's, I think that's Trey up there. And she identified what she thought was Trey's beard because Trey has a great beard. And she could see the silhouette. She thought, I think that's Trey. And it looked like his car. And so she said, hey, Brandon, just honk at him. And so he's pulling in the left-hand turning lane. I'm pulling up next to him. And I just lay on the horn just to say hi. Hey, what's up, Trey? But as we get up next to him and I'm honking at him, I see that this is clearly not Trey Robinson. <laughs> this is some other older gentleman who is clearly irritated that this stranger is honking at him for no apparent reason. He thinks I'm honking because I'm mad and he's clearly done nothing wrong. And so he decides to flip me off. <laughs> so he flips me off and I turn to Jen and I say, he flips me off. Well, the kids in the backseat, as mom starts to laugh, they say, dad, Trey flipped you off? <laughs> they still don't realize that it wasn't Trey, their student director. They just hear their dad say, he flipped me off. Why'd Trey flip us off? <laughs> It became a massive misunderstanding that I had to explain, and, and we all started laughing hysterically at this whole situation, and, and we called Trey up and explained the situation to him. Hey, my kids thought you flipped me off, and we all just laughed so hard about this. But you know, around the Christmas time especially, I feel like misunderstandings, relational conflict, those things are very common this time of year. And why is that? Have you ever thought about why is that? Yeah, I think it's for a number of reasons. You know, a lot of people this time of year have had less sleep, so they're a little bit more irritable. And they've had less sleep because they've had more demands on their schedule. Their, their whole schedule's off with extra work Christmas parties and family coming over and gifts to buy and all this extra stuff. Not only that, but they're in closer proximity to people that they normally don't see quite as much. 
maybe that crazy aunt that you're spending extra time with. And, and there's just all of these different things in part of our life. And, and also I've noticed that Christmas can resurface old relational divides. Maybe as people come back together that you haven't seen since last year and, and old issues are, are brought back up again, or perhaps you don't meet with people because of old relational divides, and so that reminds you of why you no longer are in relationship. You know, for a number of reasons, Christmas can be a challenging time relationally. Yet on the other hand, Christmas can be such a beautiful time relationally. It can be a time where families and friends come together, break bread and share meals together, right, to celebrate Jesus' birth through giving gifts to each other, right, great festive parties and new friendships being formed and meeting new people and celebrating romance, celebrating friendship. So many wonderful things happen around this time of year relationally. It can be a beautiful time. But not just because of the Christmas season itself. There's something under the Christmas season, and that's, of course, the reason why we celebrate this Christmas season, and that's Jesus. And Jesus that's behind Christmas, the Christ in Christmas, is the one that really brings us together despite our brokenness, the one that can heal all the relational divides and all the issues, the one that's the reason why we can connect so well and so deeply. See, here, here's the foundational lesson for where we're going today. Jesus brings us together like no one else. Jesus brings us together like no one else. And today I want to talk to you about the power of Jesus to bring us together relationally. The power of Jesus to heal and restore brokenness in our lives and in our relationships, whether they be close and intimate relationships or distant relationships, whether it be geographically or distant because of rifts that have happened. Jesus has so much power to beautify our relationships to make old things new and to restore and rebuild. And I'm just so excited about today's message that I've titled, Bring It In. Bring It In. And, and I was kind of thinking when I titled it, Bring It In, I was thinking, thinking about so many times I've seen, you know, maybe in the lobby of the church, a couple guys coming together and one reaches out for a handshake and the other one says, hey, no, no, man, come on, bring it in. Let's give a little bro hug, right? It's like, let's, let's get a little bit closer. Yeah, let's, none, none of this distance and coldness. Let's, let's have some warmth and some connection. And that's my hope for you this Christmas is that God will use this message today as we look at part of the Christmas story here in Luke chapter 2 to, to bring a freshness and, and a renewed connection with other lives through the power of Jesus bringing you closer than ever before. And, and for those of us who are struggling with relational challenges in our life, maybe, maybe there's a fractured marriage or a, a distant child or parent in your life and, and you'd like to see God mend that or heal your heart or help you forgive, I believe that God brought you here today to hear this message so that God can remind you of his power through Jesus to restore all things in relationships and make them better than they've ever been before. Luke chapter two is where we're gonna pick up the Christmas story. And, and I love this, this part of the story specifically where we're gonna start reading. It happens right after the angels appear in the sky to the shepherds. Shepherds are out in the field at night keeping watch over their flocks and the angels appear with this amazing news. You know, glory to God in the highest. You know, peace on earth, right? Jesus is born, the King of kings. God has come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. This amazing news has happened. And right after the, the angels deliver this news to the shepherds, that's where we're gonna pick up the story in Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 15. God's word says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. There's two things that happen throughout Jesus' life that begin here in this Christmas story. From the moment that Jesus arrives on the scene, we, we can see this so clearly through the lens of history looking back. From the moment Jesus arrives, the, the first thing that happens is, is worship is inspired among people. Right, all different kinds of worship, but, but ultimately the, the praise of the Father, worship of God Almighty is, is induced through the life of Jesus. Right? I mean, here the, the shepherds, they, they return praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. And, and they go tell everybody else about it. And all these other people, they're, they're praising God for these amazing things that have happened in their time and in that place. Right? And then Mary, she worshiped in her own way. It says she, she pondered these special things. She treasured them in her heart. She worshiped in a very private way. These shepherds are out worshiping in a public way. And from the, the very beginning when, when Jesus shows up, all kinds of worship is released into heaven. All kinds of worship is released from God's people and, and people who didn't used to worship become worshipers. When Jesus arrives, one of the reasons why this is the most transformational moment in human history is because it's a catalytic moment that launches uncountable amounts of worship into the heavens. I mean, it's just like a tidal wave is released of worship because of Jesus' life, because God has come, because hope has arrived. The second thing that happens from this time on throughout the rest of Jesus' life is that people are brought together. People are brought together in community. They worship together. They connect with each other. They share amazing stories about Jesus, what he is doing, what he's done in their lives. Jesus brings people together like no one else. That's where we began this message. And, and here you see it in the story happening right away. Right away. It just happens right off the bat. I mean, people are brought together. The shepherds, they come and they worship Jesus and there's this connection. They, they, they meet Mary and Joseph and, and then they go out and they connect with other people talking about Jesus. And, and then churches, they go on and they're, and they're formed, right? And the, and the Magi, we talked about that last week. They travel to come see Jesus. And, and Jesus is instantly, by his very nature and who he is and how special this news is, it brings people together and it inspires worship. It inspires worship. So I want to talk to you today about how Jesus can bring things together for us relationally and ultimately resulting in greater worship in our lives and in the lives of the people that we care about. And so kind of the, the first part of this message is going to be a little bit theological. And we're going to talk about some of the, the things that are happening behind the scenes. And I want, to, I want to draw some things for you here in a moment. But then the second thing, I want to get into some really practical and really helpful, tangible ways that you and I can live out Jesus' ways in our relationships to bring wholeness where there's brokenness. And I just want to show you what Jesus can do in our relationships. So I hope you'll hang with me to that. But, but let, let's look first at some of the, the theological backgrounds when it comes to the unity that Jesus cares so much about. And unity is a central theme throughout Scripture. You see it all over the place, and Jesus clearly cares about unity. And, and so let's, let's talk about relationships in terms of our, our sphere of influence. And all of us have different spheres of influence, the people in our lives, around our lives. And, and Jesus should be the most important part of that 
relationship world. He should be at the center. When Jesus is at the center, everything else can fall into place. When he's not, then everything is out of order. So, so let's assume that. But, but you know, in, in a relationship, you know, whether it's with two people or a group of people, perhaps a, a family, but in this case, let's, let's look at, you know, maybe a husband and wife, two good friends. Let, let, let's look at a, a man and a woman, right? And so they're, they're in relationship with each other. Even if they don't know Jesus, if Jesus is not the center of their marriage, they can still have a good relationship. Because all throughout human history, people have been coming together for all sorts of reasons. They, they come together for, for work, for play, for family. And people can have, absolutely can have good relationships without knowing Jesus. They can. They can have good relationships. The problem is, is that if they don't have Jesus, no matter how united they are in this life, this life will come to an end. They will stand before a holy God, and they will have to give an, an answer to their rebellion against and their rejection of Jesus. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father, the ultimate relationship. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. So Jesus is the way to the Father, and Without Jesus, we, we cannot get to the Father. We cannot get in relationship with the Father. And so in the end, even if this is a great friendship, a business partnership, a marriage, whatever it is, it ultimately will end in, in judgment, really in the, in the fires of hell, because that person not submitted to Jesus, that person not submitted to relationship with him, will ultimately have to give an account for their life and will suffer punishment for rejecting Jesus in this life. So here's just a lesson. I want to come back to this in a moment. Maybe you want to write this down. Unity without Jesus still leads to final division. So, so our world is all about, you know, unifying and coming together and let's not judge each other and let's just let everybody make the choices they want. And we think it's such a loving thing to do. It's an inclusive thing to do, to not judge each other. And, and hey, your truth can be truth for you and, and I can have a different kind of truth. But here's the reality is if we don't present the truth of Jesus, no matter how loving and friendly we can be with each other, the reality is that there will be division in the end. Not only division from each other, but division from the, the one who created us and loves us more than anyone else, our Father in heaven. There's ultimately a division to where we will not be united with him. In fact, we'll be separated from him for all of eternity if we don't receive his son, Jesus. This is obviously not good news, and it's not God's plan for us. It's not what God wants. Now, when, when two people come together, even though they don't know Jesus, it's a sweet thing when you see it. When you see good friendships happening, when you see good business partnerships, good families, even if they're not Christians, it's a good thing to see. It's better than the alternative. However, from my experience, that has not been the common thing I've seen of relationships outside of Jesus. Even if they, they may think it look good on the outside, the reality that, that I have seen and maybe that you have seen is that under the surface, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues that have been unaddressed because Jesus has not been allowed to be the center of the relationship. And so there's a lot of individuality. And people like, you know, celebrating, you know, our individuality. I'm going to do what I want and be my own person and find myself. And what happens is that there's all kinds of relational splits because people, they go their own way through independence and doing what I want and choosing my own path and my own way. There's, there's a lot of individuality that leads us away from each other, actually. And, it, and we spend a lot of time pointing at each other saying, well, you're wrong because I'm right. And this is my way and that's your way. And it really pushes us apart. And this really explains a lot of the division that you see in our world today. We see all sorts of divisions. Some would argue this is the worst division that we have seen. You know, one group against another. Right? I mean, everybody's pointing the finger, and it's unfortunate because that's not Jesus' intention. And, and, and there's all sorts of problems that come with 
individuality and, and I'm doing my own thing and I'm, I'm going to, instead of community and unity, I'm, I'm going to be my, my individual self and do my own thing. And, and you know, our, our kids, they were invited over to a, a neighbor's house just this last week and their, their kids are our kids, same ages, they're good friends. And so we, we went over and we had a, a great time building gingerbread houses together and and, and just so fun to be there. And I stood around the table and watched all these kids building their gingerbread houses. And I was just kind of just gazing and grazing. <laughs> I was gazing at these amazing construction projects they had going on with the gingerbread houses. But I was also grazing along and picking up snacks and drinks and just having, having a lot of fun, just, just snacking on all the food. And, and it's kind of like someone needs to just slap my hand because it's like, Brandon, if you eat all of the, all of the resources, they're not going to have enough to build these construction projects, these gingerbread houses. And relationally, some people are so short on relationships because they've been going their own way. Relationally, they've been so focused on being an individual, doing their own thing, being isolated, and so they miss out on what God has planned for them relationally. And what I mean by that is there's no relational connections, there's no relational support, no, no prayer network, no, no people in their life that care about them, to support them behind them, because they spent their whole life running in their own direction, so there, there's no resources to build with. So how do you build a great life when you don't have friendships, when you don't have relationships? And a lot of people are experiencing that, and so there's a pervasive loneliness in our world, I think, that comes from everybody running their own, their own direction. And so here's, here's what Jesus' intention is. Jesus' intention is for, for two people to come together, and specifically in, in marriage, he wants the two to become one. He literally says that, the two become one in marriage. But in a friendship, the two come together and they're connected, and, and they have this glue that really helps hold to, them together, and that's Jesus. And Jesus does a number of things to help people experience a, a closer relationship that you can't have in the same way that you can outside of it. First of all, we stand on common ground together that's eternal and that's foundational. And this foundation of, of Jesus and his word and his way is solid ground for us to stand on that can't be shaken when many other things can shake us in this world. That can't be shaken. And Jesus is like this gel that holds us together, but it's also a cushion because sometimes the vibrations of relationship, the friction that happens in life, Jesus is this one that's, that's there with us and between us and connects us together that helps us when things get hard. And it might get hard in a home. It might get hard in a workplace. But when you have Jesus, Jesus can help kind of absorb those shockwaves that can sometimes run through a family or through a friendship. But the most important thing that Jesus does, not only does he protect us and not only does he surround us with his love, but ultimately through his life and his death on the cross, he points us to worship of the Father. And through the cross, Jesus reconciles us to a loving relationship with the Father. And so instead of us just having a, coming together and have a good relationship, we come together as two separate individuals still having our uniqueness. Now that's a great part about individuality is we have uniqueness, but we surrender our individuality to community and unity in Christ, still maintaining our uniqueness, but now our uniqueness is pointed towards worship of the Father because who we are is not to exalt ourselves, it's to exalt the Father. And so when you, when you have, whether it's a man and a woman or two friends or two families or two groups of people coming together and they're, and they're saying, well, our, our focus is Jesus. Jesus is at the center and Jesus' whole purpose is to lift us to worship of the Father. The amazing thing that happens is as each person moves closer to the Father, notice that they also get closer together. I had a mentor draw a triangle for me one time many years ago and they said, hey, Brandon, notice that how if two people get closer 
to Jesus, they get closer to the center, they've also both come closer together. And, and, I, and I see that at play in our relational world. As we move closer to the Father, as we move closer to each other, there's some beautiful unity that happens in relationship through Jesus, through his life. And so as you, as you picture this, I just want you to imagine all the wonderful things theologically that God intended when he intended for us to have close relationships with each other. And you can see this in Jesus' prayer in John Chapter 17, verse 22. This is part of Jesus' prayer. Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. Do you see that? He says, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There's some really special things going on there theologically. Jesus is saying, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and, and I am in them. And so because of that connection with you in me and I in the Father, we are one, and I want them to be one as we are one. So Jesus is the connection to the Father. Our connection comes through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, through his life, his sinless life, because he gave his life. We can be forgiven of our sins and restored to a relationship with the Father. And because Jesus can restore that broken relationship, that chasm was so big, none of us could have crossed it. None of us could have fixed it with our own works. None of us could have made it right through religion. None of us could have repaired our relationship with God, no matter how much we wanted it, if it wasn't through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Because he was sinless. So he's the only one that could pay our penalty for sin. Otherwise, we would have had to pay it. There's really only one of two ways for your sins to be paid for. You can pay for them for all of eternity, or Jesus can pay for them on the cross. And you, when you receive his payment on the cross, he restores your relationship with God. So follow me on this. Theologically, our most broken and most significant relationship, the one that you and I were powerless, absolutely powerless to restore, Jesus made possible through the cross. And because Jesus made that relationship possible and beautiful through the cross, that means that whatever relational conflict that we have with other humans, whatever adversity or issues we have, he offers hope even in those situations. Because if he did that impossible, that means there's power in Jesus to restore all broken things here on earth. Now, in a relationship, we know it takes two people. So there's going to be times where someone else refuses to be in a relationship. So what do you do in those situations? Well, in those situations, God can even bring hope because he can help you live in the kind of situation or understand how to relate to that situation even when it's not ideal. He can, he can help you survive in, and not just survive, but really thrive in a broken marriage and be the kind of person that God's called you to be to love and serve and be generous and kind. I mean, all, all these things towards that other person, even if it's not reciprocated. But beyond that, there's always hope because God can do miracles and he can turn that other person's heart. He can change their heart even as he changes our hearts. So, so God has power, just like he restored our relationship with the Father to restore relationships here on earth, to be that glue that connects us, to surround us with his love and protect us, be a foundation under us. There's so many amazing things that we believe about what Jesus has done, and he's been doing it since he showed up 2,000 years ago that we just read about here in the Christmas story. All right, now, now let's move on from some of the theological, and let's talk about some of the really practical things that Jesus does to help us rebuild lives to restore relationships. 
And part of this comes out of just a little story I want to share with you, and, and this will represent well what, what so many of us have experienced in our own relational worlds when things have been broken. So we had a, a woman in our church who told us a story. It was just hilarious about her, her dad. And, and she was just kind of talking about how he, he was a traveling businessman for many years. He'd been so many different places, stayed in so many different hotels. It was almost kind of like being for, home for him, being out on the road. And he was at one specific hotel, and, and she tells us, I got to tell you a little bit of, you know, Vulnerable details in the story so you can understand it. But she says, my, my dad usually sleeps naked. He just sleeps in the dude. It's just kind of his thing. And she goes, one night in this hotel, he, he woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. But instead of going into the bathroom, he was so sleepy. He'd been on the road. He stepped out into the hotel hallway completely nude. And he steps out into the hallway and the door shuts on him. Remember, he thinks he's going to the bathroom. Well, when the, the door clicks shut, as she tells the story that her dad told her, he wakes up and realizes that he's out in the hotel hallway, no clothes. And of course, in a hotel hallway, there's nothing around but shut and locked doors. <laughs> there's an elevator down the hall, but that's it. <laughs> so he makes a run for the elevator, realizes his only hope is to go to the front desk and to get a room key. <laughs> so, so he goes down the elevator, walks through the lobby, very embarrassed, doing the best to cover himself up, goes to the front desk and says, I'm so sorry, but, but I got locked out of my room, explains the situation, can I please have my room key? <laughs> can you show us your identity? No, I cannot. <laughs> I have no way to prove myself. Can you just give me my key so I can get back in my room? And when she told us that story, it's just hilarious. And the way she told it just made us laugh so much. And, and how embarrassing of a moment. But, but, you know, some, some of us, in a, in a very similar way, when it comes to our relationships, we know exactly what it looks like to, to these two things, be, be locked out relationally, like there's a wall up there, and to be exposed. To be exposed and, and have everything laid out there and locked out relationally, we, we understand what that feels like. And it's a very lonely and vulnerable place to be when, when maybe perhaps there's, there's been some brokenness in your life. Maybe people have turned away from you. Maybe someone left you and you, and you just feel so vulnerable. Maybe they've attacked you and attacked your character. Or, per, or perhaps you just feel locked out because you want to be in a relationship with someone, but they, but they have you know, turned in a different way in that relationship. They don't relate to you anymore. And they've kind of given you that cold shoulder. And, and, and however it is that you feel locked out and there's walls up in relationships, maybe in a marriage, maybe in a friendship, God wants to do some amazing things to restore and rebuild that relationship and to renew your commitment to it and renew his work in it. And so let's talk about some specific things that you and I can do. We understand the theological, how, how Jesus wants to work in a relationship, how he intends it to work. We understand some of the devastating uh, issues with not being in relationship with Jesus, what he can do. But let's talk about what he expects us to do and the things that we can do in that relationship. Uh, one, one of the things, it comes out of this whole idea of the walls and being locked out. And, and part of brokenness relationally comes from when people don't forgive each other, and when people hold grudges and become bitter against each other. When that happens, the devil, he's really got us in a place where he wants us. Because in that spot, our hearts get hardened toward each other. And when our hearts are hardened towards each other, or perhaps the unforgiveness is not with someone else, it's with you. Maybe some mistakes that you've made in some of your relationships. Maybe some bridges that you've burned. Some things in the rearview mirror that you're ashamed of. When, when the devil gets you to be in a spot of, of hard-heartedness and, and unforgiveness at yourself or against others, he, he's winning in that relationship. He, he's winning because when your heart gets hard and walls get built, then that, that connection, that unity that Jesus cares so much about, that he prayed about, that we just read, that, that unity is not happening. And, and so how do you overcome that, that bitterness? That's first, first step here practically. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32, God's word says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, 
and slander, along with every form of malice. And then verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the first part is we do the work of getting rid of all these things and anger and rage and bitterness, and, and we might have to have help with that. We might need to see a Christian counselor, pray with a pastor, get some advisors in our life, but, but we do the work of rooting out and get rid of these things. And then we're told to put in other things like compassion and kindness and to forgive as Christ forgave us. So there's, there's two parts of forgiveness here. Just as Christ forgave us, we have to understand that we have been forgiven by Jesus when we ask him and to, to receive that to believe that, to accept that forgiveness. But also in the same way, we're, we're commanded to forgive others and extend the forgiveness that God's given us. And, and one of the reasons we don't forgive others is because we don't fully understand all that Jesus has done to allow our sins to be forgiven. We, we forget this theological underpinning of the practical side of our relationships. Yes, we know we're supposed to forgive each other, but it's hard because we take our eyes off this. When we recognize that where we were headed was separation from, from God relationally, we were headed to hell for all of eternity. We would not be in relationship with the Father. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, we've been reconciled and forgiven by God for all of our sins, all of our sins washed away. What an amazing gift of grace. And when we see that for what it really is, then we have the power to extend grace to others. Here, here's the lesson. Walk in grace. Walk in grace. How do I have better relationships this Christmas? How do I restore brokenness in our, in our home? How do I restore brokenness in friendships? It's I walk in grace. And part of walking in grace is, is receiving forgiveness, confessing our sins to God and trusting that what his word says is true. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins, purify us from all of our unrighteousness. So whatever you've done, Whatever broken relationships that you've caused, whatever damage has been done, God will forgive you if you genuinely come to him. And that's the amazing thing about God's grace. So walk in his grace, experience it, but then also extend it. And when others offend you, let it go. When others need to be forgiven of their wrongs to you, look what God has done to forgive you. Forgive them. How do you have the power to forgive someone when they've done something terrible to you? You remember how terrible your sins were against the father that caused the death of his own son, Jesus. And it's with that, understanding that we can walk in grace and forgive others. So walk in grace. That's the, the first very practical thing we can do this Christmas. And the second one comes from, also comes from Ephesians. Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Do you see that? It says it's a gift. I love that. God's grace to me is a gift. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's a gift given. It's a gift that we receive. And one of the ways that we find relationships become beautiful and what God imagined for them is that we understand what it means to not only receive the gift of God, but to give the gift of God relationally, to, to give grace to each other, to give forgiveness, to give understanding, to give compassion, to let his love and grace and kindness flow through us into others. How can we be those kind of people? It's because we experience it. And then when we start to give it to others, it's what we call generosity. And generosity is a powerful cure for conflict. One step, one act done on behalf of the Lord to another through our lives, it's beautiful in delivering relationship healing. You know, sometimes we don't know what gift to bring others. 
you know, at Christmas, sometimes we're not sure the right thing to get, or, or maybe we have ordered something, maybe off Amazon, and we're going to receive that gift and wrap it and give it away at Christmas, and, and we're waiting and waiting for it to arrive, and then a package shows up, there's a doorbell ring, and we, we open up the package, and it's not what we were expecting. <laughs> it was something else we ordered, right? Or maybe it was the wrong thing that arrived, and, and, and sometimes we, we get the wrong gift for someone, right? We meant the right thing, but they open it, and I already have one of these. It's the wrong size, and, and it, it can be really difficult at Christmas to find the right gift for the right person at the right time and give it in the right way. But there is a gift that can be given in almost every single circumstance that's always the right gift. If you're not sure like what gift to give in a relationship because that relationship is now awkward or maybe it's you've drifted apart or maybe you're really close and you just don't know what else you can do to make it better. It's good, but you want it to be great. How do you make a good relationship great? Here it is, here's the gift. It's generosity. It's an act of generosity. It might be as simple as getting up off the couch and walking into the other room to get something for another person and say, hey, I, I was thinking about you. It looked like you needed a glass of water. Here you go. And whenever you give a, a, a glass of water in Jesus' name, you can do all things unto him. And, and it's representing him and who he is and what he means to you when you give. It might be something extravagant, some massive sacrifice. You know, we'll, we'll go to your family's house this year. And I, I really wanted to be my family, but we'll, we'll go to your, your family this year. I, it's a way I can show you love. I know how meaningful that is to you. I know the traditions, all those things. It's a way I can show you love. Right? You might choose something different, but it's a way that you can show love. You know, whether it's a small thing or whether it's a large thing, by giving, the gift of generosity is one of the ways that we express love to others. We give our time. We give our attention. But when we, when we are intentional and strategic about giving to others, relational walls, rooms that you've been locked out of relationally, maybe for a long time, they start to open up. Doors get unlocked relationally. Connections are made. Friendships are formed. Here's the lesson. Generous people receive relational blessings. Generous people, they, they do. They receive relational blessings. And one way to be a generous person is to be gracious with your words. Being generous with your words, gracious with your words is a powerful thing. On my phone, I have the Reminders app on my iPhone that I, I use often. And, and one of the things I use my Reminders app for is just pop-up notifications that I, I'll I'll have these notifications on verses of Scripture that I want to internalize. I'm not necessarily trying to memorize every word of them, but I want to internalize the concept. I want to understand God's Word. And so, so I'll get a verse that really just pops out to me in my time alone with God, and I'll, I'll tap it into the reminders, and, and I'll set it to, to come back every day or every other day or, or once every three days or once a week. And I'll just, I'll just have that thing pop back up periodically, and, and every time it does, I'll, I'll read it. I'll think about it for a moment and just kind of dwell on it. And it hits me in different ways at different times. And, and one of the, the verses that just really captured my attention on, on this, this concept of, of generosity relationally and, and graciousness in our words, is, is this phrase about Jesus that comes from Luke chapter 4, verse 22. And I want to put this verse on the screen for you. And just I want you to see how powerful this is. It's a description of who Jesus was. Luke chapter 4, verse 22. It says, all spoke well of him, Jesus. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They were amazed at how gracious Jesus was with his words. How much grace came from his words. That's kind of what's behind this idea of graciousness in our words. An understanding, you know, a forgiveness. That's trying to, trying to 
prove to people how wrong they were in condemning them. It says in, in, in the book of John, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? He wasn't condemning in his words and helping people see how, how bad they were, but he wanted to show them how much hope he had for them. He would say repent and turn from sins. He wasn't, he, he wasn't unclear about sin, but he was more clear even about grace and, and, re, and returning to the Father and how much he loved the world. See, Jesus was always gracious in his words, and we want to be gracious to each other. We want to be gracious to each other, but it's not easy, is it? No, we all make mistakes with our, our words as a common thing. But some people live with relational tension and a short fuse and quick to react, and anger, and they're sharp and hurtful. And there's just this prickly attitude, and you know, when, when tension rises and you can just feel it when you're around them. And it's hard to, to know how to relate to people like that. But the Bible tells us to take the, the plank out of our own eye before we try to take the, the speck out of someone else's eye. And, and, and many of us, if we, if we were honest, we could take a closer look at how our words and we'd find there's room for us to grow in graciousness in our words, especially when tensions rise, especially in times like Christmas when there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of new dynamics at play. And here's the lesson. Gracious words grow great relationships. Gracious words grow great relationships. So, so where do you need to grow in graciousness with your words? Is there any area in your life where you could work on being more intentional with your words to be encouraging, to build others up for their benefit, right? To, to bless others through your words? to be forgiving and kind with your words and compassionate even when it seems like it's not deserved or reciprocated. See, if you want to grow great relationships, you want to be generous, acts of generosity. You want to give of your, your time and your attention. You want to become a generous person and you want to be gracious with your words. These are some of the ways that we can express who Jesus was. Right? This is really the heart of the Father. Let's, let's take them one by one. We talked about acts of generosity. Acts of generosity. Doing something generous for another person. For God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus. We've already talked about this graciousness in our words. What does it say that, that Jesus did here? We, we just read it a moment ago. It says he was so gracious in his words that people were amazed. And because he was relational and because he was gracious, he had great relationships. But also we talked about walking in grace who, who better to look to for an example of what it means to walk in grace than the one who gave us grace, Jesus himself. So, so Jesus is our model. He's our example. But more than that, he makes all of these things possible through the cross. So we look to him first through, through not, all, not just being a model, but we look to him as the one who points us to the Father, the one who makes that relationship possible. But we also look to him as the example of who we want to be in our relationships. As we wrap up the message today, I do want to pray for you, and I want to give you an opportunity and some space just to think through what it is that you want to work on when it comes to relationships this Christmas. Perhaps you'll be in some different relational environments that you're not normally in. Maybe you'll be a little bit closer to people or have a little bit more time. And so this is a great time of year, I think, to work on our relationships, which I hope in the end brings more worship to the Lord. I told you uh, several weeks ago how I had a little fender bender in a local parking lot and uh, backed into someone else as they were backing out, and they backed into me, and so we both had a little, little dents in our bumper, and uh, we both agreed to kind of just t take care of the damage and fix it, our own bumpers and, and kind of go from there, and so I, I was trying to figure out how to fix my bumper and what I wanted to do with it, and, and it was just a small little little dent in one corner, and I thought, well, you know, it's not that bad. I, don't, I want to get into a major, you know, replacement in my whole bumper, and it's a plastic bumper. Let me just see if I can fix it myself. So, so I, I got a mallet, and I got underneath my vehicle, and I started just whacking on this thing, thinking I could, I could undent this bumper. I knew it wouldn't look perfect. Maybe I'd get some touch-up paint, but, but I thought I could just undent this, this dented-in bumper. It looked like it was only dented in about four inches. I thought, I thought I could hammer it out. And so I'm laying underneath there, and I'm whacking at this thing. Well, you know what I got? 
I did not get a, a repaired bumper. What I got was a face full of dirt and rust. All the stuff that fell down from underneath my vehicle as I'm whacking on it. And I couldn't fix it. Well, I eventually took it to a bumper repair place to set up an appointment. And they, they looked it over. They gave me an estimate. They said, hey, come back in two weeks. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pull the bumper off. It seemed extreme to me. But they said, we're going to have to pull it off. And we're going to heat it up. And then, and then, and then we're going to fix and repair the bumper. And then we're going we're to touch it up and make it look good. And we're going to reattach it. See, they knew that there was more work to be done than what I could see on the outside. But they knew in the end that I would get a better result. I couldn't fix it in my own power. Although I tried and I struggled and I was frustrated trying to knock this thing out, all I got was more problems. I didn't fix the root issue. But when I reached out and got help, that's when I realized that there was a bigger problem than just what seemed like a small issue. There was something bigger under the surface. But I was also given the plan on how to fix it because I sought help. And, and some of us today, when we look at our relational world, when we look at the brokenness in our own lives, man, it might not be out there somewhere. It might be in here. Because all the things that you wish you could change about you so you could be a better friend, a better husband or mother, a, a better son, a better daughter, all those things that you see, all that brokenness. Look, don't try to fix it on your own. You, you have a part to play as we just talked about, but, but begin with going to Jesus, getting help and saying, Jesus, I can't fix it on my own. I need your help. I need you to fix what's broken inside of me so that you can repair what's broken outside of me. And, and so God, I'm bringing my, myself to you first, wanting to repair this relationship so that God, you can rebuild all these other relationships. And so my hope today is that you will see clearly that, that God does wanna be in relationship with you, a closer relationship. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with him for 30 years or 30 days. He wants you to get closer to him. And the way we get closer to him is through Jesus. But not only does he want you to get closer to him, he wants you to experience wholeness in your relationships with others, a deeper, stronger, and better connection. And he has things for you to do to be generous and gracious. Walk in grace and give of your time and your attention, all these wonderful things. But it begins with seeking help from Jesus, saying, Father, I, I cannot do it alone. I need your help. I need your help in my relationships. And most of all, I want to be in relationship with you. When you can say that, God can begin his great work to repair and rebuild and restore every broken thing in your life for his glory and for the worship of his great name. Right on? Right on. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for how you have made a relationship with the Father possible. And today, God, I pray for anyone who feels distant in their relationship with you. Perhaps they don't feel like they've ever truly been in a relationship with you. They've been outside looking in, or perhaps they've been walking with you for a number of years, but it feels cold and, and like they've drifted. God, I pray that right now in this moment, they would decide in their heart that they're going to move closer to you through, through what you have done, Jesus, not through their own works, but Jesus, through what you secured for them on the cross. As we look to you as our hope and our Savior, Jesus, we know we can be forgiven of our sins. And so right now as we're praying, perhaps for you this Christmas, this is a time to prepare your heart for this celebration of Jesus' birth through giving your life to him, through coming back home to him, or renewing your commitment to him in some way and just saying, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. And right now, in your own words, in your own way, you can say that to him in a prayer. Just say, say right now, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming home to you. I, I'm renewing my commitment to you and my relationship with you. You can do that right now by just reaching out to him and he will hear you if you pray genuinely to receive Jesus. If you will look to him. But God, many of us are, are asking for help and guidance and wisdom in our relational, relational world. Father, whether it's a broken relationship that needs to be rebuilt or maybe something that's broken inside of us that we need your help to know how to better relate to others. God, we know that all things are possible because you restored the most broken relationship we had. And so, Father, we're just asking for help. We pray that you'd help us practically know what to do. 
also may we theologically rely on you and trust in you for your amazing work to repair what we can't fix in our own power. So God, we simultaneously trust in your ways and trust in your work while also getting busy doing what we can do to fix and repair and rebuild. God, we're asking for your help this Christmas to make it an amazing time. We know it won't be perfect because people are not perfect. We know that there'll probably be tension and friction and all those things just as before, but may we see them with, with new lenses and new eyes. May we see it with grace and understanding and forgiving others just like you've forgiven us. And God, I pray that we would walk in your amazing grace this Christmas, celebrating Jesus' birth like never before. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. Before our usher team comes forward to receive our tithes and offerings and response cards, here's a few important things happening with our CE family. If you've never downloaded the CE app on your phone, you should check it out. You'll learn more about who we are, be able to connect in a life group or a serving team, check out the fun and kid experience, give online, and so much more. Also, don't forget to turn on your notifications for the CE app as we send out occasional brief updates that you don't want to miss. Search for Church Experience in your app store to download the CE app. As our ushers come forward to collect our response cards and receive our tithes and offerings, God's Word shares many amazing stories about the full-on commitment and irrational generosity of the New Testament church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2-4 through says in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave us as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Extreme generosity may be giving a little when you think that you have nothing at all. Or it may mean writing the largest check you've ever written when God has blessed you beyond what you imagined. Either way, extreme generosity is a form of sacrificial worship to the one that gave us everything through Jesus. And it can create a tidal wave in more lives transformed through God's church. Has God blessed you in amazing ways? Would you consider praying about making an extreme financial investment back into his church so more people can experience the irrational and extreme love of God through his son, Jesus. You can give in the buckets during any Sunday service or online through our website or the app. Thank you for giving to God through our church. Thank you for being on mission with us to help more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ.
time today worshiping and learning with you we may have made a commitment during the service we'd love to have you reach out and tell us if you have any questions or comments or prayer requests go to churchexperience.tv backslash connect or scan the qr code on the screen do you want to get even more connected check out our ce social media on instagram facebook our website or on the app or go ahead and hit that subscribe button right here what a great day it's been. We can't wait to see you next week.